Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Israel Soto. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. I want to continue this morning what we've been talking about for the past three or four weeks now on the subject of living life to the fullest. We want to continue in our conversation over this. We've been talking about certain principles that the Apostle Peter gave us in Scripture. Uh, Principles that it will be wise for us to emulate and to embrace if indeed we want to live successful lives, not only materially, but successful lives and walks in the Lord. How many know that that should be priority? That is the whole business of man. That is your first line of business here in this life not necessarily that you become a career expert at anything but that you become a career worshiper of the Lord amen and so that's the success we're looking for and that's the success we're talking about here I trust ladies and gentlemen I was thinking about this this morning let me tell you I've been up since three o'clock this morning and what I'm going to share with you is something just right out of God's oven because I had a plan as I always do as I come up to this altar but I was, I was sharing with some brothers that go in the morning into my office to visit with me that uh, I had plans of going a certain direction this morning with my conversation with you, my sermon this morning. But the Lord woke me up at 3 in the morning. He said, I should mention these things to you as we speak over this subject. So blame it on God if it doesn't fit you well this morning. But I trust that... Uh, as we continue to, to speak on the Word of God, that you not only be hearers of the Word, but to be doers of the Word. And so the question of the hour this morning that as we jump into this is, have you been doing what you have been learning? Have you made God's Word a prophet, profitable to you in your life and in your walk with Him? Now, the Bible says that we should be doers and not just hearers. In James chapter 1, there is a lesson on listening and doing the Word of God. That all of us should understand. All of us should take heed of. Let me read that to you out of James chapter 1. You should mark this in your Bible. That way it will remind you that when you come to church to listen to the message, to the Word of God, that God is expecting you not only to listen to the Word of God, but to embrace it and take it in, digest it, and allow it to work in you. Otherwise, we are spinning our wheels in this place this morning. We are wasting our time. If you are just listening and simply allowing it to slip by and gloss over it as if nothing. But listen to what the scripture says, and we welcome also those on social media. Pardon me this morning. We thank you for allowing us to come into your home, into your living area, your workspace. If you're driving, wherever it is, we thank you. We pray that the Lord would just speak to you right where you're at this morning. And if you are out of town or from out of town and you're ever in town, please come by and visit with us. It's Really nice here at Rock of Ages. Come on, church. This is your chance. I said it's really nice here at Rock of Ages. We are a good people, and we have a wonderful Savior. Verse 19, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, that, to become molest. Some people get molested. When they don't hear something preached that's convenient to them. This is why we have so many gypsy Christians in this society, in this world today. Whenever they're not feeding you what's comfortable for your belly, you quickly get up and go to another church restaurant. Who may be serving something that you agree with. But be slow to be molested or to be angry because human anger does not know or does not produce, rather, the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. 
Here are the reasons why we need not only to be hearers, but to be doers of God's word because it will save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. And here we have another reason that those who simply gloss over God's word and they don't apply it to themselves and allow it to begin to save them, they're being deceived. You're deceiving yourself. You're fooling yourself. You're wasting time. Why all this church charade if indeed you're not gaining anything profitable from it inside your heart? Anyone in business or anyone with a middle-of-the-road consciousness would tell you, why would you keep doing something that's not benefiting you at all? Why would you come to church for 30 years? Why would you preach the gospel for 40 years? Why would you be a member at Rock of Ages if what you're listening is not benefiting, saving you? But when we gloss over it, we deceive ourselves. And he goes on to say, do what it says. Ladies and gentlemen, I have been preaching to you for close to 30 years from this pulpit. I am expecting you to do what it says. God is expecting you to do what his word says. Now, listen to this. He gets a little more personal. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do it or do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. We're talking about life abundant, yes? This is the subject title of our message, Living Life to the Fullest. And so doing, practicing, implementing God's word is essential. This passage that James writes to us here is in reference to us all as listeners of the gospel. What we do with God's word, what do we do with it, how we treat it in our lives. He says, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. You see, few people like to look at the word of God because you see a reflection of holiness. You're looking into a mirror of holiness. And that's when you look at yourself in God's word, you'll begin to see the blemishes on your faces. We see, begin to see the flesh marks of our face. In the mirror of God's word. He enlarges the argument about vanity and superficial listening. He, he takes this analogy, if you will, of a man looking in a mirror. And that is anyone who looks at God's word but does not do what it says. That means that this guy, this person, this individual is content with superficial listening. Have you heard anybody say, yeah, why even tell him? Are you going to tell them about this? What for? They never listen. There are people who are actually content with superficial listening. A superficial knowledge of God's word. And it does not leave any kind of resolve to obey in their hearts. He goes away and immediately forgets the blemishes on his heart and on his person. He becomes that careless soul that ignores what God's word exposes. And there is no need for repentance. Ladies and gentlemen, God's word isn't always easy. In fact, there are authors who have written books titled The Difficult Words of Christ. The Hard Words of God. It's not always easy. But it's always rewarding. It's always beneficial. And so I have come to encourage you this morning that though difficult, listen to the message. But let's go from listening to doing. It will come to encourage you, to direct you, and yes, even 
rebuke us at times, instruct us. 2 Timothy 3 and 14 says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know from those you have learned it. You know, I was reading the other day and I ran across this particular study. There is a concept known. I haven't gotten to my sermon yet, okay? We're going to go a little late today. Is that okay? I hope you're learning something. There is a concept known as the 20-hour rule. Maybe some teachers here may know about that. I don't know. But it was a, 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 a system that was popularized by people who study psychology or a, a group of teachers. Then they, It says this particular rule says, the 20-hour rule suggests that it takes approximately 20 hours of deliberate focused practice to become reasonably competent of a new skill. You have to do something for 20 hours straight. In order for you to kind of begin to get a grip of how to do things. And that's quite the challenge because I would ask myself and ourselves this morning, how many of us have ever taken time to read God's word for 20 hours over and over? That we might learn what it says and implement what it says in our lives. Verse 15 in the same book, he says, uh, James says, and how from infancy you have Known the Holy Scripture, we are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You know what I've been trying to do, ladies and gentlemen, for the past 30 years with you? Everybody say what? As if you want to know, right? All right. How many want to know what I've been trying to do for the past 30 years? You want to know? I've tried to work myself out of a job. Think about that. If I have a job, it's because of you. I've been trying diligently year after year. To work myself out of a job. I'm tired. Look at me. Look what you've done to me. I used to be slim and good looking hair and everything. I look like a wet rooster now. Ay, ay, ay. I hope social media didn't hear that. <laughs> so what's the point? Let's start learning. Because maybe next time I'll just have to tell you once. And I'm done. Yes? Those of you who have children understand this methodology. How many times do I have to tell you? And you really don't have to tell them. They know. They just don't want to do it. I wonder how many times God moves through this place. He goes, dude, I tell you, how many times does this man have to go out there and run out of spit telling you? And he knows you know. He knows you know. Hmm? You just don't do it. Kind of like that little boy in the school that after they said the Pledge of Allegiance, he was feeling angry at his parents or something was going on in his life. And he was stubborn. He was a rebellious kid in the class. And the teacher said, okay, class, you may sit down. And everybody sat down except him. He was standing up right by his desk. He goes, well, uh, Billy, you need to sit down. I, I said, because I don't want to sit down. I am telling you to sit down. I said, I don't want to sit down. She said, do not make me go over there and sit you down, sir. Well, I'm not sitting down. And she walks up there and grabs him by the shoulders. And, and she sits him down. He goes, there. Now you're sitting down. He goes, I may be sitting down in my body, but I'm standing up in my heart. 
And I wonder if the Lord looks at our hearts sometimes, our, how many times we've heard his word. And God says, learn it. Apply it. Make it profitable to you. That's why I gave it to you, that you might live life to the fullest. And he'll push it down as much as he can. Swallow it. It's in your mouth now. It's in your mouth. Swallow it. Well, I have it in my mouth, but I'm not going to swallow it. And so we deceive ourselves. Now let's get to God's word. Put your thinking caps on and put your obedient hearts on this morning. Let me preach my last sermon this morning. Learn to do what God says. We've been reading out of 2 Peter chapter 1 and on and we've been learning the principles of abundant living. And the first thing I'll just quickly go through is he said to our faith add virtue and that is we've spoke about this. Add holy living. Learn to live holy because God is holy. Stay away from those things that do not nurture your relationship with God. There may be things you rub against in life that you had no guilt of. But there are things that are premeditated. These things that you are conscious of, you need to get away from. There's repentance when mistakes are made. But there are people who run into the arms of Satan on a daily basis by choice. And it is to us that the Lord says these words, be holy because I am holy. I know what you're thinking. You're expecting me to bless your life and to live abundantly. But yet you're holding the devil by the waist and it seems like it's him trying to get away from you. Add to your faith virtue. And the second thing we begin to talk about, which is how, where I'm going to spend some time this morning again, is to virtue add knowledge. And we spoke concerning knowledge, uh, the importance of learning God's truth in meaning and in truth. Learning the language of God to us with true interest and understanding. As I mentioned to you right now, not only being hearers of God's word, but being doers of God's word. To truly understand whom the Lord is and what he expects of you, what is required of us, what he desires in this God to saint relationship that we have, what we can do on a daily basis to nurture, grow, and make healthy the relationship we have with God, to have knowledge of these things, to nurture our Christian walk before this unbelieving world, to make our relationship with God appealing, even those to whom we witness to know how. We need to know how to live our lives. And for that, we need the knowledge of God's word. Now, I added to this knowledge next to knowing his word was the importance of having the knowledge of God's return. How many remember that? The rapture. To be conscious that God is coming back. Never lose your mind or your thought or your memory or your knowledge and knowing that God is coming soon. <coughs> But there is a soon and imminent return. You know, I was truly blessed yesterday, ladies and gentlemen, after I preached my sermon last week. <clears throat> How many people, and a few people even texted me, and that was so special to me. The honesty really broke my, not, not broke my heart in the sense that it broke me hurt, but it just, it warmed my heart and it made me tear up. You know what I was told last week by some in our congregation? They said, Pastor... Thank you so much for that message, man. And it was like with a trembling lip. Thank you so much for the message. I seldom think of the return of Christ. I seldom think of Christ's return. In my day, I'm busy all day doing, working and going and coming. That I don't have time. I wish I could say, well, at least every two days I think about that. But now, weeks can go. And I said, when was the last time you remembered the coming of the Lord? The moment you preached it. Wow. Hmm. The sincerity of heart. And not only did one, but several people text me to tell me that. And that was beautiful. No shame to you. 
No shame to you. I'm not embarrassing anybody. But how awesome to be honest with each other and say, you know what? I'm so busy about the business of life that I never think that the promise that God made years ago is going to be full, uh, fulfilled any time and any moment. We lose that knowledge. Someone else told me, he said, I'm glad that you reminded me of that because it settles things in my heart differently. I was going through something. But the moment I heard that Jesus will come, it settled things in my life. I can look at my life more confidently. Now there's nothing that can compress me, shrink me, or crumble me. Because I know always that in the end, this too shall pass. Isn't that awesome? This too shall pass. All this mess that we're in, don't worry about it. Learn to say this too shall pass. One day the one that promised you would return will return. And he will settle all accounts. But we need not forget his promise. We need not forget his promise. In spite of our present circumstance, whatever worries, deep numbing concerns, in keeping the knowledge of his return... One day he will draw us up in that heavenly vacuum and take us to be with him forever. Ladies and gentlemen, that is a reason for much joy. That's a reason for much joy. To never lose sight of that. It should be a relieving sense to you. Have you ever been to the doctor For an exam and all of a sudden he finds something that is uh, not very appealing news to you. He tells you that you have some particular illness that is a tough illness. And when he begins to say that, he begins to look at the x-ray and he's looking at a mark or looking at something or he takes a blood test. And he begins to tell you that there are serious conditions here in your blood. And all of a sudden, you can see the changes. You're back kind of like. And you want him to hurry up and tell you what the outcome is. And so, doctor. Man, well, I'll tell you what. You're in a tough situation here. Uh, very serious as it is. Really? Enough of that? What happens? Am I going to die? Was, you know, in spite of how serious this situation is, we see it all the time. And yeah, there's medication for it. And recovery? Totally. People recover from this all the time. As grave as the situation in, that you're in right now, people recover from it all the time. And all of a sudden, your back straightens up and your wrinkled face turns nice and bright again. And you're happy again because you found out that there is an answer to your problem. That's the feeling that every believer should have knowing that Jesus is coming. That's the feeling that it should birth in us every day when we see all this chaos and havoc going on around us and people are popping and cracking their fingers or knuckles, not knowing what to do, running like crazy people back and forth, people doing this and that and the other. There's a serious illness going on. This is a really sick world. It really is. It's a dying sick world. But for us, every believer, we need to remember that there is one medication. There is a master physician that's going to come and settle all of our troubles. And he's coming soon. We need to remember the knowledge of his return. There is one who neither sleeps nor slumbers. There is one who is your redeemer and promised to come one day. He watches you're going in and you're going out. Uh, he is ready to keep his promise at that immediate moment. You need him even so now. But there is a greater promise we all wait that we should never forget. And that is one day corporately he's going to come 
and take us home to be with him. Can you say amen to that? I'm excited about that. Acts chapter 1 verse 7, we read out of that. The disciples asked him if he was going to restore the kingdom to Israel at that time. And Jesus told him, it's not for you to know the times and dates of the Father that the Father has said by his own authority. I mentioned last week that the last picture of the church with Christ was in the outskirts of Bethany. When he spoke to them the last words, he ascended, the Bible said, to the right hand of the Father. And as they gazed up to heaven, some angels came to speak to them and, of course, inquired, what are you guys doing? And they said, well, this Christ, he just, didn't you see him? He just went up to heaven. He said, well, just the way you saw him go, you're going to see him return. Now, we stopped there in our conversation last week because we were speaking of the rapture. But you see, that conversation with the angels is what the Lord woke me up for this morning at 3 o'clock. And I had to come really early into the office to begin the type box. I can't understand my own chicken writing. But I've been here very early this morning because I needed to know what he exactly he wanted us to know this morning about the coming of the Lord. And so I went back to the scripture and we find that in the scripture after this discourse or conversation that the angels had with these men. They continued speaking to them. Acts chapter 1 and verse 7 it tells us. A couple of things that the coming of the Lord is only known by the Father. That Jesus will come when the Father sends him. Okay. But the second conversation that they had has to do with us remaining while he does. And this I believe is something we forget. And this is why I have included it. Into this knowledge principle that we've been talking about. Acts chapter 1. Guys if you would put it up for the congregation. He said to them it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has said by his own authority. That is the father is the one who has the watch on his wrist. But here verse 8 is so important. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Secondly, you will be my witness in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. In the very next verse, after they are told about the return of the Lord, they are given the great commission. Immediately after, in succession, the Lord leaves. Don't worry, he's going to come back. But there's something for you to do in the meanwhile. And the first thing is so important for us, ladies and gentlemen, and it's crucial to uh, the longevity of our waiting. And I'll explain that as I go. The next thing they said after they said he will return, he said, you will be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And the implication of this statement here, ladies and gentlemen, to me in my heart and what I hear God explain to me is this. That while you wait for the Lord, don't allow yourself to get cold in the spirit. Don't allow yourself to dwindle out, to get cold, stagnant or idle, to wither out in your heart as you wait. Can I tell you that that's what happened to the people in the times of the apostle Peter. When they said to him, hey, where is this coming of the Lord? He's been coming for a long time. But yet our fathers have been born and died. Everything remains the same. And so they thought that this was a fable. They, they turned in this truth into a lie, a fairy tale. And all that equates to is that they got cold. 
When people get cold, ladies and gentlemen, they stop waiting for God. When people move out in their lives, they move away from the living spirit and fire of God, they begin to lose sight of the return of the Lord. This is what happened to the people in the times of the Apostle Peter. Where is this coming? They started playing around. They got cold. They started living their lives. They got busy about living their lives here as they were supposed to be waiting. But all of a sudden, the idea of Jesus coming became, became a faded picture on the wall. He began to fade away in their minds and memories. And it meant so little for them. Ladies and gentlemen, can I tell you, this is what happened to the people at the foot of Mount Sinai. You remember that Moses went to get the law? Remember? No, you don't. <laughs> you just thought it was proper to say yes. You need to know. But Moses went up to get the law, and he left Aaron, and he took a long time. The same thing that happened to the people during Peter's time happened to the people at Mount Sinai, the foot of Mount Moriah. It happened right there. They got tired of waiting. They became idle. They forgot all about worship. They forgot about being busy about the Lord. They forgot to cultivate their walks with God on a daily basis. When they were following and they saw the grandness of God right before them, the moment that they had him out of sight and Moses was gone, they began to get cold. And because of that coldness, they became idolaters. And you know what the tragedy of it all, ladies and gentlemen, here is the truth of the gospel. That of all those people, on that day, thousands died. Moses was up on the hill in the presence of the Lord, and he hears the cries of people. He thought it may have been worship for a moment, but he said, no, nah, that's not worship. There's a party going on. Somebody's entertaining themselves down at the foot of the, of the mountain. I'm going to go take a look. The Lord sends him down. And what does he find? People that were totally ignorant of the return of Moses. They thought he was gone. Some wolves may have got him. Something happened. He probably kept going to the other side of the hill and ended up going back home. He left us here in the middle of nothing. But he returned at an unexpected moment. Remember the ten virgins? All these things. But they let the flame, ladies and gentlemen, in their hearts to die out. And because of that, they became idolaters. And because of that, at that moment, the Bible says that the earth split open and swallowed thousands of them. You know, the Bible says that on the coming of the Lord, two will be in the field. Yes? And one will be left behind. I wonder who it will be who is left behind. Remember the ten foolish virgins. Only half of them made it out with the bridegroom. I wonder who were the ones that didn't make it. What were they doing? They lost sight. They did not keep the fire of the Spirit of the Lord on fire deep inside them. It was the priority of the angels that day to tell them that Jesus was going to return when the Father sent him. But that they should not die out in the waiting. To stay filled in the fire of God. To stay focused in your zeal for the Lord. To stay tuned with what God was doing in heaven and on earth. To stay conscious of all he has brought you out of. To be thankful for salvation on a daily basis. To worship. 
and to give Him praise every day of your lives. To be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. To be filled. Ladies and gentlemen, unless we are filled, that is the fuel that is going to keep us alive in the waiting. That is what's going to keep us going till the waiting is done. What's going to keep us moving forward in, in our anxiousness and desire and zeal to see God again is going to be no one else. Not a worship song. Not a nice building. Not a screaming pastor. It's going to be your own desire to stay in the fire of the Lord. Sometimes we forget the importance of the Godhead Trinity, the, the Holy Spirit. The third person, we, we, we forget that the importance of his constant presence in our lives, the necessity of him walking with us daily. If you'll go to John 14 and 15, guys, there is a resume. This is important for you to remember and to know. You need to jot down this verse in your Bible and read it on a daily basis. John 14 and 15 is a resume concerning the Holy Spirit and our benefits of Him in our lives. We are given a few things, and I've had the boys put them up there somewhere so you look at it. But he is spoken of as the counselor, the comforter, and the helper. Whenever you are in trouble in the waiting, He will be there to pick you up. There is a, a person called Paracletos. And by definition, that word means one who is called to your side to help you. He is the friend that is appointed to help you when in trouble and to do whatever he can to get you out of that situation. He is like that commander that they raise up in the end and they send him in to help a discouraged army that's in disparity and despair. That's who the Holy Spirit is. This is why we are to stay on fire in the Holy Ghost. Because there are many, many disappointments in life, ladies and gentlemen. And I, I don't think I'm going off the ledge by saying that there are many who have died by the wayside because of discouragement. But had they kept a relationship with the Holy Spirit, He is the encourager of all who will call upon Him. In this very same chapter, he is the spirit of truth. That is, if you ever have any questions on whether you do or you go or you accept certain things, ask him and he will give you the truth. If you don't want to know the truth, don't ask. But there are things that we practice in life that are kind of wishy-washy and you want to know and you're trying to... I don't know if you're really trying to find wisdom or you're trying someone to find someone who will agree with you. But if you want to do or you want to find the truth over anything you are practicing in your life, the places you go, how you speak, what you think, what you do, how you live your life out, ask him. He doesn't know how to lie. He'll tell you that those things are acceptable under the Lord. And there are things that are not acceptable under the Lord. Young people learn that. Just because it doesn't feel bad at what you do doesn't mean it isn't bad. Sometimes we get afraid to ask the Holy Spirit, should I go to that dance? Should I go to that concert? Hey, it's just good music. Should I ask him? No, no, I'm asking you, Pastor. Well, you know, I'm a guitar player. I kind of like those guys too. You see, it's okay with God. For your information, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not God. Are you with me this morning? Are you having a good time? Are you? Is somebody growing in this house? Are you learning? Will you be obeying? If not, I'll just quit now. He'll tell you. He goes on to say in the same chapter, read it. He is the personal presence of Christ in your life. He is the personal presence of God in your life. Let me say something to you. 
There are people who wear crosses the size of tire rims on their chest. There are young people who have rings with all kinds of crosses and fish and trouts and I don't know what else is on there. There's people who wear t-shirts with Jesus. Our homes are filled with all kinds of pictures of I don't even know who the individual is. But it's depicting Jesus. The back of our shirts. WWJD on the wrist. All with the effort. All to try to reveal to the onlooker that you have some kind of religious relationship with God. Can I tell you, I have talked to the most profoundly worldly individuals who are cussing up a storm and saying all this kinds of junk. And they've got a big oh, He died on the cross for me. He, he took the nails for me. All trying to portray that you have some kind of religious relationship. That you're a respecter of Christ somehow. As if that's going to enlarge your testimony as a Christian. Some of you guys are going like. Wear what you want. Doesn't do a thing for you. I don't care if you carry a cross on your shoulder. Doesn't tell me you're a Christian. I don't care if you walk down the highway on Easter. That doesn't tell you that that guy's a Christian. Nothing will give witness to anybody outside of you. Regardless of what you wear, what you buy, how you comb your hair, what you dress like, how many religious things you wear on your body. Nothing, nothing, nothing will ever give witness to anybody about you as when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Nothing. He is the actual presence of the Lord in your life. You know, Peter tried to rebel one time. Everybody's read that story. He was a promiscuous, presumptuous individual. But he still must have had enough God in him that in the world he was in, people knew that he was different. And he wasn't wearing a WWJT. JD. When the disciples walked in the streets of Jerusalem or wherever they may have been traveling to minister, people in the city looked at them and they said, we know those guys are of the way. We know those guys have been with him. Nothing, ladies and gentlemen, here you'll find it in scripture. Nothing will testify of your relationship with God as when you are filled with the fire of the Holy Spirit. This is the importance of him. This is why people don't believe us. He is a special manifestation of Christ within us as believers. He is the abiding Godhead presence in our lives. He is a teacher. He is an instructor of how we should live as we wait for him. He will always... Keep the return of Jesus in your heart and mind. It's interesting that when they were standing there, maybe they said, maybe this is where we'll stay. You remember that Mount of Transfiguration where Where even Peter said, Lord, it's good for us to be here. Let's build a tent and stay right here. But Jesus said, no. 
This is not where you're going to stay. You'll enjoy this one day, but not now. Get down there and do what you're told to do as you wait. Ladies and gentlemen, I believe that God is waiting for the church to be filled with the fire of the Holy Spirit. We cry out for it. That's a whole new sermon in itself I'll speak to you about later. Because you see, the Holy Spirit isn't going to come out here and just fill cups just because. There has to be an anticipation and a waiting. When the rapture comes, ladies and gentlemen, and Jesus comes, and yes, he will come. This rapture is not for everybody. Isn't that a horrible thing to say? It's not for everybody. It's for those who are his. It's for those whom the scripture is describing right now. Those who are filled with the Holy Spirit in the waiting. Those who, yes, are always conscious looking up to heaven and say, Lord, I know you're coming. But in the process as I wait, I'm not going to let myself die out. I was praying early hours this morning. You know, the devil is not content with what he did with the church this past COVID season. He's not. He's very happy with what he allowed to happen, what he forced to happen this past, or should I say we allowed to happen this past COVID season. You know how many Christians have died out and gotten cold? Maybe some of us are suffering of that same sickness right now. You used to be faithful. You were on fire for God. There wasn't a service you wouldn't miss. You were tithing. You were offering. You were helping. I want to do this, participating. I want to move forward the cause of Christ. But all of a sudden, the devil gave us an excuse. And they closed the church down for the season. Every pastor has suffered this. Not only us. I talk to pastors all the time. They've all suffered this. It came as if to separate those who were on fire for God and those who were just dwindling, smoldering. And it's such a sad case. But the moment the church was closed, because we was closed by city ordinance for a while, you remember, this is how we came into social media and all these things. We didn't know a thing about it, but we were forced to be able to communicate with you and give you something to feed on. But there was a group that took the bait. And in the waiting of the church rising up again, they grew cold. And today, they still can't be faithful to church. They still cannot come back to the regiment of saying, you know what? Every Wednesday, I took my children to church we're praising every Sunday morning, regardless of the baseball team. If it got in the way of church, I'm taking my children to the church. I'm not going to let my kids be raised by a baseball team. I know we take vacation, but we'll take vacation on a Friday and Saturday. We've got to go to church. You were faithful, but all of a sudden, there was a waiting involved. And during that waiting... Instead of doing what the angel said, be filled with the power. Because that's the only thing that was going to allow you to succeed and to cross the bridge of waiting for the church to come back. Now we're back. And now you hear rumors of how they want to do this again. Would you fall again? Not me. Not me. Because he wants to come in now for the throat again. And sadly enough, many more will die cold. Yep. There's some of us in this here this morning that are barely breathing and barely make it out to a service every now and then. <laughs> we got to do it today. It never used to be a problem. 
But the waiting, the fact that Moses went somewhere, the church went somewhere, and you were waiting, and instead of staying in prayer and keeping your home on fire for the Lord and waiting for the sure return of Moses with the law and waiting for the sure return of Christ to come, as he said, in the waiting, you became stale and began to rust at the joints, and now you're, you're galvanized. See, Jesus is coming. And if something as simple as being faithful to church has died in you with a simple little thing that they called COVID, what's happening to you as we wait for the long return of Christ that hasn't come yet? It's been a couple of thousand years they said he would. What are you doing in the mist? Will you be like the people at the foot of Mount Sinai and said, where is Moses, man? He's, he's out. He's gone. He's not coming back. And today a lot of Christians are saying what they said in the times of Peter. He's not coming back. This is a fable. It's a figment of your imagination. There's a song that we sing even though you don't hear him, see him, or feel him. He's working. He's working. And I say to you right now that though you may not feel him, hear him, or see him, he's coming. Don't let your memory lapse. Live your life today as we wait filled with the fire of the Holy Ghost. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Join us next time for another uplifting message. If you'd like to support this ministry and the reaching out of others, you have the opportunity to give at rockofagesaog.org give.